Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Very exciting day here today as we welcome 1998 national champion for USC College All-American, USC All-Time starting lineup at catcher, and the third overall pick of the 1999 MLB draft of the Detroit Tigers, Eric Munson. Eric Munson, welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Thanks for having me. First question I, I have for you, Eric, is I heard rumors about you moving to Dubuque a long time ago. And I was shocked when I heard those rumors because one of my favorite games of all time is MVP 2005 for the PlayStation 2. And I actually used to pick you up as a free agent in that because you had catcher availability and you could also play third base and play first base as well. So you could give uh, Chavez a break at third base and a Rubio Durazo a a break at first base and then also um, Jason Kendall a break behind the plate whenever I needed you to catch. But I heard about you being in Dubuque and I was surprised by that and I thought it was an urban legend and then I saw an article about you in the Telegraph Herald doing some speaking at the Dubuque Community School District classroom. So my first question is what brought you to Dubuque, Iowa? Well, uh, first of all, I'm going to address the video game. Um, as you can see, like whenever you'd use me, it'd be as a backup. So that's pretty typical. I could only trick teams for so long before they'd have to move positions on me. So um, that sounds about right. That's par, par for the course. Um, but now we'll talk a little bit about how I got here. It's uh, a move. Uh, my wife is from here, born and raised. And when I was playing, I met her and all along, I kind of said, you know, when I'm done playing, I wouldn't mind moving back to Dubuque. I just kind of, I like the slower pace of life. Um, I like to have land to kind of move around. You know, I grew up in San Diego. So, um, and when I played, obviously you're in bigger cities. So I always had neighbors right next to me. And I, always, I just like the idea of having land and, and having just some space to kind of, to move around. So uh, we talked about it when we were playing and then you know, when I was done, it just, it kind of happened. We moved out here pretty quick and started to raise a family, obviously a great place to raise kids and great schools. And so we're, uh, we're happy that we did it. And I love it here. Well, I, I'm sure I'm not the first to welcome you, but I'd like to welcome you to the Dubuque area. You and your academy do great things. And I just want to preface this. You were an everyday player. You would play one day behind the plate, one day at third, one day at first, maybe a corner outfield spot here or there. So you were not a backup or a bench warmer on my uh, MLB 2000 
uh, five major league team at all. But uh, tell us a little bit about your playing experiences and then also some of your experiences that you had in the coaching realm as well. Yeah, so I'll just kind of start at the beginning, um, just like anybody else, just grew up playing baseball, uh, grew up in San Diego, um, high school baseball, played basketball as well. Um, and then I got drafted out of high school uh, by the Braves and decided I had a scholarship to USC, so I decided to go to USC. Um, I figured I just I wasn't ready to, to sign professionally, and it turned out to be a good decision. Went to USC. We, like you'd said earlier, got to win a national championship. And then I got drafted again in 99 uh, by Detroit. Played with Detroit from 99 till 04, um, where I played mostly third base. Um, and then in 05, I played for Tampa and played first base that year. And then 06, 07, I was with Houston. I went back to catching. And then 08, I was hurt with Milwaukee, so I didn't really play that much that year had surgery and then 09 I was with Oakland and I caught again that year and then 2010 San Diego a little bit of third a little bit of catching and then ended my career after that 2011 so yeah that's just kind of the quick rundown and then after that I went to USC Um, I didn't get a chance to graduate when I was in college I just got drafted on my junior year so um, went back I always wanted to get my degree I kind of made that promise to my parents and so I went back and I got to be an undergraduate assistant, which was a great experience. After that, that summer, I actually got to coach for Team USA, the 18-year-old national team. We went to Taiwan, won a gold medal. That was unbelievable and one of my favorite experiences, um, you know, on the other side, being a coach versus a player. And then after that is when we came back here. So coached at UD for a couple years with Coach Y and then uh, start, you know, started the academy here. And that's where we're at now, just just running our teams and uh, doing private instruction, all you know, all the above. So um, it's been uh, it's been quite a quite a baseball ride, but um, it's the only thing that I know. It's really the only thing that, you know, I think I, I want to do for as long as I possibly can. So um, that's what I'm still doing It's because I love it. And you bring such a valuable business, uh, an asset to the community and the Dubuque uh, baseball community here. A couple of questions about your playing career. Now, I did not know this when I had you on my team in MVP 2005, but I always just assumed you were a third baseman because that's what you were listed at in the game and then also uh, what I saw you play at. When the Tigers drafted you, did you know that it was in their initial plan to move you to third base, or um, how how did that all work out? Yeah, actually, um, I was in college. I caught, and so when I got drafted, they had told me that they wanted to move me to first base right away because they wanted to try and get my bat into the big leagues quick, and so the transition going to first base would be a little bit quicker than transitioning as a catcher. Just two completely different positions. So, um, so yeah, I played first base there. And then um, we made a trade for Carlos Pena, I believe in 02. And so they asked me to try third. I went to Puerto Rico in the off season to try and transition to third. And I did. And so that's how I played third for a couple, my first couple years, uh, full years in the big leagues in 03 and 04. So, um, one thing I just, I was kind of lucky that I was 
flexible with positioning just because growing up, I never really played one position all the time. Um, all of my coaches always, they, they move me around, um, you know, pitching, catching, shortstop, first, third, outfield. So it, it worked out for me that way because I was flexible. And when you have flexibility, it gives you the uh, manager or the organization some options. Now, I do follow you and your academy on, on social media. You have a lot of connections all throughout baseball. I'm sure if you wanted to, you could catch on with a minor league club or a major league club right now and, and get into coaching at the professional level. Is that something you are thinking about or something you might do in a couple of years? Or do you just love working with the youth community here in Dubuque? Yeah, I mean, I mean eventually I definitely want to get back into pro ball uh, right now. It's just the, the business here and, and what I'm doing and especially the age of my kids, it'd be really hard to leave. So um, that's, that's part of it. But I, like I said, I really enjoy what I do here. Um, there's to me, there's plenty of time. Um, I'm still somewhat young. I mean, I'm old now in my standards when it comes to athleticism, but you know, I'm still only 42, so I've got time if I want to get back into the baseball world, especially on the pro side. And, um, you know, if, if somebody, you know, hopefully somebody would like to have me and, and I'd get back into it, I'd have no problem. That's the one good thing is that, you know, baseball usually will, will take care of guys. And, you know, you, if you maintain good relationships, then there's a pretty good chance you're going to have some op- opportunity down the line. So, um, yeah, it, it, like I said, right now it's just a great place to be back here with the business and with my kids and their age. Um, and I think eventually it, that I'd like to, I'd like to revisit Pro Bowl. And we're looking forward to that when you do make that decision. Being a catcher and playing all those positions, you'll be able to pass your uh, wide array of knowledge to players coming up through professional baseball as well. Now, you do own a, an academy in the area. It's located inside of Kennedy Mall, 555 JFK. I cannot believe it's been around since 2013. It seems like just yesterday I was down at your guys' grand opening and attending camps with uh, Eric Chavez. But what can you uh, tell the listening audience about your academy? Tell us a little bit about your staff and anything else that you want to touch upon. Yeah, um, you know, first of all, just I'll talk about the staff because they're they're easy to talk about. Um, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I, I feel like I've got the best people around here uh, in our building and the widest array of knowledge. And again, that's not me uh, trying to be cocky or confident. I just I really believe in who we have in there. Uh, we've got some really good people with a lot of knowledge and a lot of years in the game. So um, I really like our staff. Um, you know, we're lucky to have guys like Dan Spain and Anthony Rudin, uh, Nate Weber. So. Um, Cole Nieto is another one that's really, really good. He's, he's an assistant up at UD. So, and then Cassandra Dara, who does our pitching for softball. She does a great job. Um, she pitched, she was a really good pitcher at, uh, at Wisconsin. So got a lot of good people in the building and I, I really enjoy working with them. And I, I think the kids do too. You know, I, I see a lot of improvement from kids, uh, working with our staff. So, um, it's, it's a great staff. It's a good work environment. It's a good place for kids to understand and learn. Um, as far as the business goes, you know, we, we have travel teams as well. We've been doing that since our second year. And uh, that kind of grew overnight. Uh, we opened up tryouts the first year. We had one team 
that was my son's team back in the day. And then we opened up for tryouts the next year and we went to 10. So it happened like overnight really quickly. And, um, we've, we've been able to sustain that. Um, I, and a lot of that's due to, you know, the, the help that we've had, we've, we've had some good coaches and, and put some good teams together. And I think that, you know, the majority of your parent of our parents will tell you that, um, it's a great environment. So, um, we've, we've been pretty lucky on that side. And, and then, you know, we do everything else that, that normal baseball academies or softball academies would do, you know, as far as private lessons and camps and clinics and training. And, um, we actually, the back of the building, we have, uh, Brandon Hogan with bar raising fitness and he's gotten off to a really good start. Uh, his first year there in the mall, he was, he was doing really well, really busy there. And then obviously with, with what's going on now with, um, with the Corona, he, we've had to shut down, but, um, he was off to a really good start. So no, we're, we're excited to be in there. Um, we love what we do and it's a great place to be. I could not believe how big that new facility was. It's over 16,000 square feet. It's all turfed, 11 batting cages. And you mentioned that you have the fitness, program back there as well i'm i'm hoping once this all clears up i'm going to be able to get in and check it out i had foot surgery and then this all came and i i've been off my feet for for quite some time um now we do have kids in the area if you could give them any tips or any suggestions uh that want to go on and play college baseball or want to go on and play professional baseball, what do you think would be the best advice you could give any kid or any high schooler listening to this right now? Uh, get used to working. Um, it, it's funny. I was actually, I was listening to another podcast yesterday or I might've been Instagram live, but, um, one of the guys was saying, you know, get used to being bored, something along those lines. And it's a great piece of advice because it's, it's true. Like you have to understand how much work it takes and, you know, the little things, you know, talking about hitting off the tee, um, you know, taking little short hops, doing little partner picks, you know, all these little things. These are things that guys in the big leagues still do. And before they got to the big leagues, they had to do a million reps at each, you know, each one of these things, both sides of the field, whether it be, offense or defense and so you have to understand how much work it takes and how many repetitions it takes um that'd be the first piece of advice i'd give you and then the second is you have to really understand who you are as a player i always say be a good self-evaluator um if you're not a home run hitter don't try to hit home runs you know if you're a home run hitter you shouldn't be bunting so understand who you are as a player that goes a long way same thing with pitchers um, if you're not a power pitcher, then you're going to have to learn how to spin the ball. So understanding who you are as a player, it makes things a lot clearer to to you as an individual, how to go about your business every day. You know, what types of T-drills am I doing? How am I, you know, approaching pitching? If you know who you are, it makes that a lot easier. A lot of what you mentioned there were former alumni that have come from your program, such as Greg Bennett and Sam Link and Jacob Kerman, who worked out there as well. 
also shared that that hard work, and there's always people that are out there working just as hard as you. You notice that's been a common theme throughout the podcast here. One of my favorite things that I, I like to do as a baseball fan is is go to spring training every year. And I remember I went to the Cleveland Indians facility one year, and they had a field where it was just an infield. And I sat and I watched Francisco Lindor, who at the time uh, was one of the best shortstops in Major League Baseball. Still probably is, but he's battled some injuries. But I watched him for an hour and 20 minutes just work with the infield coach on short hops and fielding ground balls from his knees and and working on his backhand. And it was incredible that somebody who I looked at as one of the best shortstops in baseball was putting in all that time and doing those little things that a lot of times I don't think our, our youth has a chance to see. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's and that that's very common. You're going to see the best players in the game work harder than anybody in the game. That's just the way that it is. Now, you know, the guys in the big leagues are talented. There's no doubt, but they didn't get. They weren't just born with all of the talent. They were born with drive, and that's the part where people don't understand. You know, talent is something that goes away after a while. You know, hard work is what sustains it, and. You're going to notice all the best of the best are going to have those things in common. And so um, you can develop that type of work ethic at a younger age. Then you're going to understand, hey, this is what it's going to take to get to the next level. And then you're going to have to turn up your work level even more. And it's just the way that it goes. Each level that you step, that you go up, you're going to have to maintain it because there's always going to be somebody there trying to take your job. That's the way that it is. I, I do want to go back to your academy one more time here. I, I do want to tell you, the person who does the social media, give them a big thumbs up from from me because the English teacher, they always have great social media posts. There's never a grammar mistake. There's never a misspelling. So who's ever in charge of your social media, tell them that Coach Manaman says they're doing a great job. Also, when I navigate through your website, I can tell that it's professionally done because it flows so well and it's so user-friendly to work. And then also, you've been doing some online tips and some online videos during this coronavirus time and the person who does your editing just does a phenomenal job doing that you can tell they are professionally done and uh, please tell that person that it's it's been noticed they're doing a great job I think we both know who it is and and I know if I talk well about her she'll probably promote this a lot more if I didn't bring her up but tell us about some alumni from gold standard by Eric Munson and some current players that you have working out at the facility right now that you feel are going to have outstanding years in the area? Uh, well, I'll start with the guys that we have now, just, just because we, you know, we see them um, on a constant basis. And again, that just goes back to their work ethic. And, you know, I, I'm not one that's going to sit here and say, you know, these kids are good because they're working with us. Anybody that knows me knows that that's not how I operate. The kids are good because they're working. And all we're doing at the end of the day is just trying to give them a roadmap. But the ones that are really good, they know how to navigate that road. And so you're going to see these. There's no mistake. The best players are the ones that are in there the most. That's just the way that it works, whether it's my facility or anybody else's. So it just it goes to show you that the kids with drive – they're going to be better. It's just, that's plain and simple. So um, 
the kids I'm thinking about now, obviously, you know, the, the, the first one, and I know a lot of people know him just because he's, he's gotten accolades and he's, you know, he's, he's had a really nice career is Calvin Harris. Um, he was one of my first clients and I've gotten to know the family. They're just, it's a great family. It's a great kid. And you want to talk about work ethic. You don't really need to look any further. I mean, he, he just, he does it the right way all the time. Um, he competes everywhere. He competes even in school. That's the other part too that people miss is, yeah, he's a good player, but he's also a great student. And that, that goes back to his, his work ethic. Um, I, I, you know, just kind of off the top of my head, you know, obviously Sawyer Nauman is another one from West Dubuque. Um, he's, he's a kid that's just, his swing is so simple. It's easy. It's, it's almost, I call it maintenance free. Um, I think he's going to have a really big year. Tommy Specht is another one at, um, at Waller. He's, you know, he's signed with Illinois. Um, he's, he's got prospect written all over him. He's got some really nice tools. Um, I think he's going to have a nice year. I like Garrett Kadolf. You know, he's another one that's interesting to me. He's, um, I think he's poised for a good year as well. And then, you know, we got a bunch of kids at Hempstead um, that I think are going to do well. You know, hopefully we, that's the biggest thing. Hopefully we get to play this year. Um, I'd, love to, I'd love to see what happens here over the next couple weeks. Um, but there's a, there's a ton of kids at Hempstead, I think, that are they're poised for a big year. You know, you just look at, you know, like Sabres and Strohmeyer. You know, I think Udaley's going to throw the ball really well. Henry can hit. Um, they got a nice lineup over there. They really do. Um, I like Sherlock behind the plate. He does a great, great job back there. Um, I like Brian at West Dubuque too. He's another one that's just, he's got quick twitch. You know, I think he, um, I think he can, he's got a chance to kind of figure it out at the plate a little bit this year. Um, I know I'm probably missing some people and if, if I do and you know me, ain't on purpose. Um, they I'm will just, let like, they know. will let me hear about it if you forget. <laughs> I, I'm I'm the one where whenever somebody doesn't get mentioned, I I get uh, uh, text messages and personal messages saying how awful of a person I am. So don't worry, it'll get directed <laughs> toward me. You're you're in the clear. Well, I appreciate you saving me there. I hey, and guys that that are that come into the facility, they know they you know they know what I think about them. There's a bunch of good kids out there. There's a lot of good players. Um, you know the other one too, obviously would be Ian Moeller, um, hasn't played high school baseball, but, you know, obviously everybody knows he's a good, he's going to be a good player. So it would be interesting to see, um, you know, how he develops over the next year and a half and see what happens with him in the draft uh, the following year. So there's, there's some good baseball around this area. There really is. Um, it's really hard to put your finger on, you know, one or two guys. There's, there's a great handful. There's a great group. Uh, of players around here so it, it should be an exciting year like I said we just got to get outside we got to play we do and that that was my next question but I just got done interviewing Corey Tischer of Wallard and he said uh Hempstead's lineup is like murderer's row with uh Sabres Rundy and Henry all in the middle of that lineup but you did mention Cal Harris and, and Ian Moeller and we know that those are two projected high draft picks um they're even talking first round possibly now what intangibles do those guys have what do they bring to the table that that the scouts are looking for that has them projected as first round draft picks well you know obviously i'll start with ian you know you you just kind of you look at his numbers and obviously it's not about all about numbers but you know when you're throwing the ball down to second base you know with that pop time i mean he's that's lightning fast. And so 
you have to understand like those are tools that some of them are unteachable tools. They just, they, you know, they're, they've been developed, but they've also, you know, he's, he's been blessed with some, some really great tools. You know, obviously the hit tool for him is, is a big one. Um, so there's some projectability there, obviously Calvin, you know, and here's the other thing, both of them being catchers, you know, if you're an offensive catcher, um, but you can also really catch and throw, it's an, it's a pretty strong combination. Um, so you look at both of those kids and you can see why that they're projected where they are. Um, you know, Calvin left-handed hitter and, and Ian being a right-handed hitter, but they can both really catch and throw. Um, and the, the bat's going to project well for both of those guys. So, you know, to have a, a two-way catcher like that is it's projectable. And so you can see why they're high on a lot of people's lists. Now, I've read some interviews about you and about your playing career, and you said that playing college baseball was the best time of your career. And how do you feel right now about everything going on with the season being canceled and, and players getting that extra year of eligibility? How do you think that will shake out for college programs and then also the uh, upcoming drafts? Well, it's... Uh... To be honest with you, I think it's going to be a mess. Um, it's going to be tough because you, you've got people coming back that the coaches weren't planning on them coming back. You've got incoming freshmen. Um, you know, then they, they still are going to be recruiting. So it's just going to be – I think it's going to be tough on a lot of these college programs. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do as far as scholarship-wise. I know it's 11.7. Um, I think I read the other day that they're going to the senior scholarships are not going to count towards the 11.7. Don't quote me on that, but I thought I read that. So I, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I mean, I know these these coaches are smart and they're you know they're resourceful. They'll figure it out. But I I think it's going to take a lot of work, and they're going to have to line up a lot of pieces uh, to figure out how to manage that. Um, as far as the draft goes, it's that's a tough one because you know we're here in five rounds. Um, and that, you know, that could hurt somebody like Calvin where, you know, Calvin could be projected to go anywhere in the middle of, you know, the first, you know, anywhere from third to 10 round, he's kind of projected in there, the last that I saw. And so, you know, if they only go five rounds, who knows what that means for Calvin. And so it's, it's kind of like those situations right there are really tough. Um, it's just, uh, it's an odd time. And I understand, you know, we're talking sports here. We're not talking life or death. You know, you think about people that are sick during this time, of course, but, when it comes to the sports world, um, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know how they're going to deal with it, um, but they'll figure it out. You know, they, they always do. We just, uh, at the end of this, I just want to see us get back outside and start playing baseball. Yeah. Now, Eric, when I was researching for this interview, I uh, looked at some of the rosters you've played on, and I wrote down some guys that I loved watching as a kid, and I loved watching as an adult. I'm going to throw out some names and if you want to pick just one guy and maybe just share something about them that I'm sure they wouldn't care uh, if you shared it. But here were some of the guys that, that I came up with. Hideo Nomo, Hal Morris, Juan Gonzalez, Jose Limatine Lima, Dimitri the Meat Hook Young, Carl Crawford, Roy Oswald, Roger Clemens, and Andy Pettit. So those were the guys that... 
when I think of my time watching baseball, that when those guys were on or those guys stepped into the batter's box or in Carl Crawford's spot got on first base, you just could not turn away from the TV because something either magical was going to happen or with Lima time, something uh, outstanding was going to happen with his reaction. But Anything, you know, playing with those guys, being in the locker room with those guys, road trips with those guys, just pick one or or, or a couple and just, just share a little bit of insight about them, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, when you go through that list, it's pretty crazy. Um, like, one of the first ones I think about is, like you said, Lima time. Uh, he was a, such a great teammate and brought so much energy to the field every single day. It didn't matter. You would never be able to tell if he was having a good day or a bad day. He was the same guy, um, just a just an unbelievable teammate, and obviously heartbreaking that he had to go so early. Um, but just a phenomenal teammate, one of my favorites. Um, Demetri Hook is another guy that, that would have he would have energy. Um, he was he was another one that was fun to play with. Um, you know, and you just kind of go down the list and you look at, you know, just some of the talent as well. You know, some of the guys would just kind of, they would shock you, you know, they would shock you with their talent and some of the things that they could do. You know, you talk about a Carl Crawford, just the way that he could play the game and affect the game in so many different ways. Uh, Juan Gonzalez, you know, I still swear I've, I've seen one of the hardest hit balls I've ever seen in my life by him. It's like a 30 mile an hour wind blowing straight in. And he just cut the wind and went right through it for a homer. Um, in Comerica, which is back in the day was even bigger than it is now. Um, you know, so there's just, there's some guys that'll, that'll wow you like that. Um, one of my favorites that wasn't on that list though, and he's still playing today and I'm not surprised is Hunter Pence. Okay. Another guy that just, you talk about everything, um, you know, being a good teammate, playing with energy, being the same guy and also being a good player. Um, he was one of the best. He was a great teammate and a great player, and it's it's pretty cool to see him still on the field. He was also a great actor, too, in Fuller House. Don't ask me how I know he was on Fuller House, but he did a fantastic job there. Now, don't be ashamed. Dude, don't be ashamed. I've seen that episode, too. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've seen all of the episodes, not just that one, but um, he did a great job. Now, I, I keep waiting because your academy does does a great job of bringing in former big leaguers or in uh, um, Colin Ray's instance, a guy that's still playing for um, camps and, and for coaching clinics. I'm still waiting for the time that you guys bring Dimitri Young in because, holy cow, that guy had one of the most violent swings I've ever seen in watching baseball. And he just seems like just a character. And I would just love to have a 30-second conversation with him because I, I just feel that he he could get the airplane full of guys just rolling from from a travel spot to travel spot yeah you're not going to be bored with dimitri around i can guarantee you that hey is this heaven no it's the around the horn section of the dubuque area baseball podcast five random questions that the guest we're not prepped for. Eric, are you ready? Yep. Let's go. Are, are you a little nervous? 
Not yet. We'll find out after the first question. I'm, I'm nervous because you're wearing a tank top right now. And if I ask an inappropriate question, I don't want to see you in the neighborhood a couple days from today, with, especially with those muscles bulging through our Zoom interview here. Uh, first question here. Best baseball movie? Bull Durham. Most difficult hitter to get out? And I'm talking from your time as a catcher. Oh, Barry Bonds. Hardest pitcher that you faced in your career? J.C. Romero or Mariano Rivera. As a catcher, your opinion, what do you think is the best out pitch? Nasty slider. And who do you think currently is the best mind in baseball? Mike Trout. Well, you didn't hesitate on any of those, so uh, great job on those. Some good answers. Everybody that uh, has done the Around the Horn segment, best out pitch is gone with a changeup. So it's great to hear a catcher's perspective of giving us a slider. And you and Coach Rapp both share the love for Bull Durham. So you, uh, not being from the area, I uh, did not feel like you had to say field of dreams. Next is our seventh inning stretch segment of the podcast, which is audience-driven questions. Sit back and enjoy. But Eric, our next segment that we're going to do, it's, it's a new segment. First time we're ever doing this segment on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. It's called the seventh inning stretch. Now, I usually always announce the guests that I'm going to have on the podcast and then offer up questions that people would like me to ask of you. And uh, normally I don't get any questions, but with you, I had quite a few questions come in. So first question comes from Gary Rudin. And he says, Eric, can you please clear up any rumors that Johnny Dollar, and John, Johnny Dollar is John Knobble, has signed you to a semi-pro contract to play with the Key West Ramblers? Will you be playing semi-pro with Coach Spain and the Key West Ramblers this summer? Absolutely not. That is 100% <laughs> false. And it will never, ever happen. Would you ever, how come you wouldn't play semi-pro in the area? I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> too old. I can't move the way I used to. Uh, you, you are you are a million times better than me, and I would never play semi pro either in the area. Very his very um, great league and very good baseball, but just not my thing. And this one came from Marv Mullert, who is the PA announcer for Wallert Catholic High School and also the East Dubuque Warriors. What is your take on kids growing up in warm climates and playing baseball year-round versus Midwest kids? The indoor facilities, like yours, have improved this quite a bit, but it's not the same feeling of actually going out and playing a game. What are the challenges in coaching and teaching since moving to the Dubuque area? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Obviously, you know, the warm weather states, they have an advantage, you know, right? You can be outside and training outside is, is 
absolutely an advantage on being indoors. Um, but also being indoors does have an advantage as well. Um, you know, I think about being inside, I think about, I think about reps, you know, when you're inside, you're working in a cage. If you if there's a day where you need more reps, it's going to be a lot easier. You don't have to be chasing balls down. Um, you also too, you, you, you get creative when you're indoors, you know, with this instruction and with Drew help a player. Um, there's, there's obviously the disadvantages, but, um, being inside, I think also when you talk about Midwest kids or kids from back East, once they get outside, um, they gotta be tough. I mean, you're, let's be honest, you're playing on bad fields. You've got in the springtime, the fields are not up to par. So you have to learn how to deal with bad hops. Um, you're dealing with cold weather. You got to learn how, when you hit the ball off your knuckles to not be a baby and go crying back in the dugout. Um, so Midwest kids, I never knew it growing up. You know, I was, I was lucky being in San Diego, but Midwest kids are tough, you know, playing outside in the cold weather. It's, it's brutal sometimes. And so I think that can toughen up a kid. So, there's to me, there's the advantages. I think it just kind of gives you a different mindset. You have to be a little bit tougher. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, being outside, yeah, of course, you're, you're going to be able to play games. And that's one thing that is the big disadvantage here is it's almost like a sprint to get games in and you're not, you're never going to be able to, to max the amount of games you could get in warm weather states. And so, you know, the, the playing experience, you know, they always say like California kids or Texas kids. They just have a little more feel for the game because when you're younger, playing the game is how you develop your feel. Um, so, yeah, there, there's there's both ways of looking at that. Now, we did have a late entry on Instagram last night. I did not prep you with this one beforehand, so hopefully um, these don't catch you off guard. But it came in from JR Valencia 21 on Instagram. What were your favorite pre- and post-game meals? Ooh, pregame, I was pretty standard pregame. It was either like a some kind of sandwich. I always like peanut butter um, or I like deli meat. Nothing like nothing too heavy, but it was pretty typical, some kind of sandwich. Um, I would drink, so, you know, I just started coming with like energy drinks. So one of those, if not, I'd probably go with a Coke. I know it's probably not the best advice for nutrition, but uh, – <laughs> Back in the day when you have sometimes when you're playing every day, you got to get yourself going with some caffeine. Um, post game, just whatever. I'm, I'm not too picky, but post game, that's one good thing when you, you know, when you get to play in the big leagues, they take good care of you. You know, they give you good food. So can't really complain about the food that you're getting there. So I'm, I'm not too picky on post game, but pregame sandwich, some caffeine, coffee. I wasn't much of a coffee drinker. I started getting into it, uh, when I got older, but yeah, sandwich and some kind of caffeine. Now, you weren't like Pedro Serrano from Major League where you had to have a bucket of chicken before each game, huh? No, no, and no rum either. <laughs> now, J.R. Valencia had a couple other questions. What was your lifting routine like during the season, and what was your lifting routine like during the off season? Yeah, so the off season was completely different. Um you know, trying to build more strength. Um, obviously, flexibility for me was huge, just, you know, being catcher. So I I always worked on my flexibility, building strength, and then just keeping your footwork up um, so that, you know, the older you get, you're going to lose a step. That's just the way that it works. So I was never a fast player to begin with, but you still have to have good feet. 
Um, so I'd work on a lot of that stuff in the off season. And then during the season, I would, I would tone it down. So what I really found, um, that worked well for me is I would try to just like isolate one body part a day. And I always did it at, um, before the game. So that was part of my routine before the game. I didn't like to lift after games. Um, so just kind of part of my routine and getting ready and my ritual during the day is I would have one body part and I would, it usually take me about, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes just to kind of go slow and just maintain. And so I would stretch that out throughout the week and then just some very light footwork during the season. Um, I know it's old school, but it should still, it should be new school. It should be like never go away school, jumping rope. Um, that's one thing that's kind of lost. It's, it's a great, uh, it's a great tool for players to have. So don't sleep on jumping rope. That's, that's always going to be good for you. Um, so those are just kind of my things. That's the way that I like to do it. Everybody's different, but that was just the way that I found worked best for me. And then the last question from him as well was, did you have any superstitions when you played? Um, not really. I mean, really the only thing, like if I had a good game the day before, I'd try to do stuff similar, um, whether it's pants up, pants down. Um, maybe it might be the pregame you know, meal. Um, but nothing crazy. Like I didn't wear two week old underwear or, you know, <laughs> nasty holes in my socks. I never went that crazy. Um, so yeah, just, just kind of the pretty typical, you know, if you have a good game, you stick with it. If you have a bad game, you completely change it up. That was, that was kind of my ritual. Now during cuts, uh, we talked about Dimitri Young before, and then we brought up superstitions. Do you want to share your uh, superstition Dimitri Young story you were sharing with me off air, or is that one uh, not appropriate? No, that's that works. And Dimitri would know because he's skinny now, but you should have seen him back in the day. He was a big boy. Um, so he had really big pants, and he wore like those sh- the shorties, the one that go up to the knees. And um, so I was like, hey, I just kind of want to mix it up. I want to look like uh, like old school. You know how back in the day they used to wear the baggy pants like Babe Ruth? Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I was struggling. I'm like, dude, I'm going to try something different. And so Dimitri, let me borrow your pants. And um, I had to tighten the belt up that day. So, <laughs> yeah. So I used them and I uh, had a good day. And then I ended up using them for like, I think, like the next three or four months. I used them for like the rest of the year. Um, so, yep. Thanks, Dimitri. You got me back on back on track. Um, you look at him now, he don't even look like the same person. He's all skinny. Like, I don't know if he's on keto or what he's doing, but he ain't eating too much steak and lobster anymore. The meat hook, a a favorite of, a favorite of mine growing up. And I I would love to see him, uh, come to the Academy and, and do a camp with you guys. I would like to thank J.R. Valencia 21 on Instagram Gary Rudin and Marv Mullert for participating in the newest segment of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, which was the seventh inning stretch, which is going to bring us to our last segment, which is closing time. Whenever you hear Mariano Rivera's music, you know the game, just like this podcast, will be coming to an end. We know when we hear Mariano Rivera's music in the background... The podcast is coming to an end, just like the game did when he entered. Stick around for closing time. (laughs) 
We've now entered closing time of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, and as always, we're going to end it with closing time. And it's tradition here to give our guest a cheesy nickname related to somehow the game of baseball and then turn it over to me for a minute with Manaman. So, Eric Munson, the name of your segment that I came up with you is we're going to get an education from Eric. So, Eric, please educate us about the game here. You got it. Um I guess really the the one thing I think about is just respect the game. And we try to tell it like we say play the game the right way. Um, And that has nothing to do with, you know, technique or instruction. It just has to do with respect. And so uh, one of the things I can all start with players, you know, you're going to get a lot of advice when you play the game, some good, some bad. But there's a couple things you should always do. Number one, when somebody's talking to you, eye contact. That's one thing that is, that's kind of getting lost in today's society, uh, not just baseball. But when a coach is talking, make eye contact. We have a rule. Coach is talking, you're not talking, and you're looking. Um, so that, to me, is, is huge. And then just play the game hard. Um, it's not that hard to run 90 feet down to first base. Um, so it's hustle. It's just play hard. That's being a good teammate. You know, if you're, if you're not hustling, you're not being a good teammate. Um, so those are the things I look at on the player's end. And then on the coaching end, you know, don't be, to me, said, don't be that guy that thinks you know everything. Understand, like, this game is constantly evolving and constantly changing. There's a reason why good instructors are constantly studying because they're not going to be satisfied with their own opinion and they're not going to stick to it their whole entire career. You have to understand how this game evolves. And so – don't give the cookie cutter approach. Don't say that your way is the only way. The only way is to try and solve what's best for that player. Cause it's about the player. It's not about the coach. It's not about you and your instruction. It's about the player. At the end of the day, the game is about players, not about coaches. So, you know, that's the, that's kind of what I feel. You know, if you want to call it your rant or your, uh, what did you call it again? Getting an education with Eric. <laughs> yeah. Education with Eric. Yeah. Real, yeah, good one. Um, no, players respect the game. Play hard, make eye contact, be respectful with your coaches, umpires, etc. And then coaches respect the players. It's not your way or the highway. It's what's best for the player. Eric, I'd like to thank you for uh, joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Really appreciate it. So now we're going to enter the segment that is called a minute with Manamin. I met Eric back when I was teaching fourth grade at Lincoln Elementary, and my students were learning about goal setting. And I had just recently read in the paper, the Telegraph Herald, about Eric and all the goals that he set in his career. Sent uh, Eric a quick email, and within a week, he was in my classroom talking to my fourth graders, giving them valuable advice, lifelong lessons about goal setting for their future. He stayed around for roughly 40 minutes after a speech, signing baseball, signing t-shirts. Eric, I believe you even signed a pair of scissors. So, Eric, I thank you for coming in to do that, and... I thank you for sitting down with me at this time. Now, the gold standard athletics motto by Eric Munson is the right way. And 
I would like to throw in a tagline that I'm going to give to you guys as a gift. Feel free to use it if you'd like or um, make fun of it after we uh, log off this if you'd like as well. But when I think about you and I think about your center and I think about your people that work there, I think of major league instruction at a minor league price. Now, Eric knows some of the brightest minds in the game of baseball, and he just shared that you need to keep learning. He doesn't know all the answers, just like I don't know all the answers or other coaches out there. You don't know all the answers. He is continuing to learn. You need to continue to learn. And the only thing that happens when we continue to learn is we grow as people and we become better people. So I invite you when you get out on the baseball field to take the lessons that you've learned from your coaches and your parents and respect the game and to play the game the right way because you never know when that time comes when that game is now just a game that you can no longer play. It's a game that you view on the TV. So from Eric Munson and myself and the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, thank you for listening. And just like that, 643, we're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.